0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an incredibly special guest, possibly two guests. You'll understand what that means here in a little bit. But anyway, hey, I have the one, the only, Mr. Steve Rizzo joining us and he's going to share his story. We're going to hopefully laugh a little bit um, and have a lot of fun here. So do me a favor and share this out. Share this out right now so we can make sure the entire world sees this interview today. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let me bring Mr. Steve Rizzo on the show. Steve, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. It it really is great
0: to be here and uh to converse with you. It is an honor to have you on. I've uh, you know, you and I recently met and in and, and through um Kellen. Was it Kellen? I think it was Kellen. Yes,
1: Kellen yeah. Ann, yeah.
0: Love Kellen Ann. She's oh, amazing. Absolutely. And um, I've heard like tons and tons about you. I, I know Jeffrey Gittimer loves you. He's always talking about you. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I started this show. Actually, Jen Gittimer was my very first guest on the show. Great guest. She's amazing. And it was before it used to be Jen Gluckow. Yes. <laughs> and that, that's yes. who I had on the show. Um, so anyway, you know, I've done now this for about over four years and, um, it's all about helping people get unstuck in life. That's, that's what I started this show for. Um, so let's start with where, you know, talk about like where you were born and raised start there. (laughs) I was born
1: in, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. You can tell by the accent, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) it's something about i
0: was thinking south texas but okay
1: (laughs) yeah and brooklyn people have their own way of talking to people they always if they meet someone they always they don't even know they're doing it They repeat the other person's name like hey bobby how you doing bobby hey joey how are you joey (laughs) unless they're like too bright then it's like hey frankie how you doing Freddie?" okay kid (laughs) and they do this they move like this you know yeah and yeah. they say stupid things like, "Hey, you know, not for nothing." I never <laughs> figured out what that meant. And I was an English major in college. I, I said, "Hey, you know, not for nothing," you know.
0: <laughs> that is so funny. I, I, I uh, you've got the accent down. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's ever told what you accent? that. You making fun of me?
1: <laughs> I'll hit you in the head with a Buick. You know what I'm saying? I'll punch you with so many rights, you'll be begging me for a left tough guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's the way they talk when they
0: when they get into an argument with someone. oh my god i couldn't even imagine i could not imagine i've never been to a yankees game nor yeah. i probably never will quite honestly i'm not a yankees fan i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah. please forgive me um it, it's a it's a childhood trauma thing i'll explain it later but yeah. but but you know so um I can't imagine what it's like, though. Like you got, you got a, a a a lot of tough guys, like you know, hanging out at the Yankees game. Yep. Oh, absolutely. You should you should hear it when uh, if a fan
1: isn't cheering enough, you know, hey, tough guy, I just uh, I'd like to inform you that he just got a grand slam. Stand <laughs> up, cheer a little bit, you know. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. And man. then
1: they look at the person next to go
0: look at this guy. You know, <laughs> look at him. <laughs> so nobody punches you in the face for calling him out.
1: No, it's it's not like that, but they talk tough, you know, they really don't get violent unless of course you really take them off and
0: yeah, uh, that's then, a totally then, different then story. They, then they might There's Eric Florn F- I always mess up his name. Fl- Flanoy. Hold oh, no. on. Yeah. I know.
1: Message from Bob. Did you see that? He's he's yeah, yeah, on yeah.
0: my he's on my
1: uh my video podcast. Hey, I'm talking here. He comes on a lot and he has some wonderful things to say.
0: And he has some really great questions. It's it's great to see you here. Eric. Well, great. You know? He's a great, great guy. You'll see him in the Grow Live Academy tomorrow night, too. Oh. So so there's the great Doug Wing, too. So so Steve, talk about like what was it like growing up in um, you said in Brooklyn. Well, I, 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 the thing is, is that I
1: was born in Brooklyn. And when I was six years old, we moved to out East Long Island, but I always went back on weekends, you know, to meet family. And then on Long Island, we had the rural, uh, part of Long Island back then, Long Island was just farmland and trees. It was gorgeous. I had a tree house, so I had the best of both worlds. You know, I, I could escape in nature. And then on weekends, I, That toughness stayed with me from visiting my grandparents on the weekend. But um, I had a, this is where my, by the way, that's a great leading question because the beginning of my life just was where everything started piling up on me. I, uh, when I moved to Long Island, um, I was supposed to go in kindergarten, but because we moved there a little too late, they said I'm too old for kindergarten and they put me in first grade. Now, I didn't know anything. I didn't know ABCs. My mom and dad never taught me. They're from the old school. I didn't know how to add. I didn't know anything. Wow. And um, I remember my first grade teacher tapping me in the back of the head with a red pencil. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What is this is wrong? This is you should know this. So I'm making a very long story short. And um,
0: is that a woman or a man?
1: Excuse me. It was a woman. It was a woman. What a B word. Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) So, so this stuff it was very difficult for me to get through school. And in my, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I sat in the guidance counselor's office with my uh, mom and dad and uh, the guidance counselor was supposed to go over my curriculum for the rest of my high school years to prepare me for when I get out. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a teacher. And back then they didn't have computers or laptops or anything. So he had a stack of papers and he said, well, I'm sorry, but. He looked at my mom and dad and said, uh, Steve really doesn't have what it takes to go to college. So not only did I allow this man to tell me what I couldn't do, he'd tell me what I was going to do. And then in 12th grade, I was voted least likely to succeed in my senior class in high school. Is uh, this all it... now,
0: this is on Long Island, though, right? You yeah, can... this is all on
1: Long Island. This is all on Long wow. Island. And I saw this paper when because uh, I was a custodian part time as a student. And after school was over, I cleaned the administrative offices. It was a great job. But I noticed this list that was going to go in the yearbook, you know, how they have most popular, most likely to succeed. And I was on this list with a few other people for least likely. They never made it to to the yearbook, but it stuck with me. Unknowingly though, uh, I took those negative labels into my adult life and they were the determining factors for many of the decisions I made. And my philosophy in life for a long time, Uh, was Don't Try and You Can't Fail. And uh, it took me five years to go to college, Ken. And I I did go. Uh, It was not easy for me, but I went for extra help. And um, I graduated with high honors in uh, psychology, uh, English education, and a master's in theater arts. And uh, I went back to the same school that I graduated from, where I was voted least likely to succeed, and I taught English for a couple of years and I became a counselor for kids with behavioral problems. And, uh, I really loved it, but something else started growing within me. And uh, I noticed a couple of comedy clubs are opening up on long Island. I decided to go for audition night and, um, I really loved it. And I started getting work, getting paid to do standup. I left the education thing and did standup,
0: uh, full time, did that for 23 years, very successful career. So, um, I mean, we can let the secret out. You're actually one of the jerky boys. Everyone says that to me. I hate to stereotype, but holy crap. If anybody yep. meets that stereotype, it's yep. you. Because on stage, I
1: did this, you know, hey, and I was just like them. How you doing there, tough guy? Hey, Chisel Chest, how you doing there? Right, right there. Frank Rizzo here, buddy. Hey, how you doing? <laughs>
0: so funny though but so so i like to i like because i i grew up with a um uh, you know i i dropped out of high school in 12th grade and and i had an english teacher tell me you're never gonna amount to anything yada 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 and i'm like now i've written seven books and she's written zero so she can you know so but like I think about some of these these moronic teachers that that implant this stuff into into kids, and unfortunately, not many break through and and do what you've done or do what I've done. They don't. They they stay stuck in that story forever, right? Yeah, and, but and, and yeah, die with it. I
1: absolutely, Ken. But here's the thing: with me, unknowingly, by the way, and it's in a few of my books and it's even in my new book conversations with Bob, but those negative labels stay with you. You could never get rid of them. Your job and responsibility is to keep them from coming to the forefront when times get tough, because they'll keep reminding you, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not worthy enough. So just when I thought Ken, that I had everything under control and I was climbing the ladder in stand-up comedy, like you wouldn't believe my opening acts were Chris rock, Jerry Seinfeld, Drew Carey, Rosie O'Donnell. I shared the marquee with Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kennison. Sam Kennison opened up for me. Opened up for you? Opened up for me. This is before they were famous. Okay. But shut here, up. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I, I am not kidding you. But here, oh here's my. yeah, this is <laughs> a lot of people go, you're full of crap. No, I'm not. This is no, this really You. But I mean, here's but here's what was happening to me. Um I started noticing that my opening acts are becoming big stars. And I'm going, when is opportunity going to knock on my door? And I came to the harsh reality when I spent some time by myself, that opportunity was knocking. I was just afraid to open the door. I had a fear of success and failure. Mm. Okay. Those negative labels came back and were haunting me. So I was sabotaging. I don't have time to tell you how I was sabotaging my career, but trust me, I was. And when I realized that I was, every time I had a big break to audition in Los, in Los Angeles uh, when there were going to be industry people in the audience to show them how good I was, I made an excuse that I had to go on the road to make money so I could support my family. But every comedian in the world would say, are you kidding me? You dropped the gig and you go in front of where you can get noticed. But I was afraid. I, it was more important to me, ego-wise, to be a big fish in a small pond than
0: a little fish in the ocean. Mmm, man, that is there is so much gold in what you just said, but let's let's let just a a quick comedy break. Um, the 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 I know you wanted to shove a nursery rhyme up Andrew Dice Clay's. (laughs) I gave him one line in that nursery rhyme, you know. You what? I gave him one
1: of the lines that he used with the nursery rhyme. Oh my god. Are we allowed to get blue on your show? Because I'll say it, but I don't. I don't, I don't yeah, I do. Whatever, I, man. I, I he, This is one of his lines, and I gave him this Little boy blue. Hey, he needed the money.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I gave him that line. Dude, I cannot believe you had Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kennison. Sam Kennison was out of his freaking. He was off his rock. He was a sweetheart. I loved him. I loved Sam Kendison.
1: Really? I, I was performing at the Comedy Store, and I was talking with Damon Wayne. We're both going on. He was going on before me. And Did you Mitzi just say Shore, Damon
0: Wayne? Wayne? Yeah.
1: And Mitzi, yeah. And Mitzi Shaw was crying hysterical. Mitzi Shaw is the one that owned the Comedy Store. That's Pauly Shaw's uh, mother. And we said, Mitzi, what's the matter? And she was in tears. She said, Sam Kennison was just killed in a car crash. I, I was devastated. And Damon Wayne looks at me, I look at him, we're both emotional. And and as we're getting emotional, they're introducing him to come on stage to make people laugh. And then I had to go on after him. And um uh anyway, I I I that's not where I want to go, but I, I just want to finish my statement. So when yeah. I realized my negative labels yeah. were getting the best of me, I decided to go on a quest to better myself, okay? And I was determined, Ken, I read every self-help book that you could think of. I fell asleep with headphones listening to, at the time, they only had cassettes. They didn't even have DVDs Were just coming out. Uh, I went to spiritual seminars. I went to Tony Robbins seminars. And I noticed a major shift through the years was taking place. And the belief I had in myself was insane. Because you can't go anywhere unless you believe in yourself. Everyone kept telling me, you're going to be the next one in comedy. But I didn't believe it everyone else could believe it but if you don't you know that's the determining factor so but something strange started happening as i'm i'm getting this belief in myself the entertainment industry is coming at me really hard and they were very interested but i was slowly not interested in them anymore and it was at a Tony Robbins seminar, and I still have this. I was at a Tony Robbins seminar. He's speaking for 3,000 people. And I'm looking at the way he has command of the audience and how he's teaching and how he's making a tremendous difference in people's lives. And he's pretty funny. Not anyone here yeah. as funny as I am, but he's no, funny. No. And <laughs> I, as he's going through his thing, and I'm looking at everyone with, with emotion in their faces because, you know, he's changing their lives. And I picked up a pen, and unknowingly I wrote – I can do this and I put the pen down and I'm listening to him again and I'm observing the audience. I'm listening to him about 20 minutes later, I pick up the pen again. I write, I should do this. Mm. And then a little bit later on, I said, damn it, I am doing this. I still have this paper in glass wow. on a frame. And I, and I, and I knew it even though I had no idea on how to do it. And yeah. that's when I made the shift to become a motivational speaker. And I've been doing it for 25 years now, 24 years Best decision I, I I ever made. Now I get to make people laugh and give them a message. And I've written four books and the newest one just came
0: out about two weeks ago. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to talk about the new book and other books, but go back to when you, uh, you just, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you realize this, but you kind of blew past some ginormous names that you were just hanging out with talking to. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, d- did you ever find yourself in, in like, like in awe, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Damon Wayans right now. Like I'm hanging out with Sam Kennison. I'm no, I, I, no, because they weren't no. stars then they were not really, they were becoming stars.
1: Damon Waynes was just doing in living color, uh, um, um, Kendison was right before he did the HBO specials with Dangerfield. Some of them were big, uh, you know, yeah. and stuff, but most of them weren't. Um, what concerned me and where the fear came into place and what brought awe to what I did, this major decision, was every now and then for the first couple of years when I was speaking, I would see these guys and how big they became. And every now and then I would have a, a jolt of fear saying, did I make the right decision? <laughs> yeah. You know? You know, where could I have been? What would have happened if I would have stayed? And but in the long term, there's no greater feeling. You know, when I did stand up, people would come up to me and say, oh, man, thank you for making me laugh. You just you just me. I'm going through so much crap in my life and I needed to laugh. But now I have people saying you were a spark that ignited change in my life. I can't yeah. thank you enough. And and there within, that's awesome. you got to find that. You got to follow. That's the key. You have to follow your heart. And it's Amen. not about money. It's not about fame. It's about your heart. As a matter of fact, Drew Carey, he was my roommate. He he was yelling at me. He was saying, you can't leave. You cannot leave. You're so close. And they said, close to what? How could you be close to something that you don't want anymore?
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, were you ever on The Tonight Show?
1: No, I was. I did. Uh, I had my own Showtime special. Yeah, uh, I did. Evening at the Improv, and I know so there was go a go back a little... to the
0: Showtime thing. How did that happen? I mean, I, I you're the first person I've ever met that had their own Showtime special. So that's well, cool.
1: well, it was a Showtime special. Woody Harrelson was hosting the show, and uh, as a matter of fact, wow. a funny story is that when we went for the for the preview for the show, and we went through a run through the day before. Woody came into my green room, into my dressing room. And he said, hey, man, he goes, this is when he was doing cheers. He said, hey, man, he goes, "Um, how do you want me to introduce you? I said, tell him you're going to bring up a guy who was voted least likely to succeed in his senior class in high school. And now he's at the Sands Hotel in Atlantic City with a showtime special. And that's how he (laughs) introduced me. It just came out of my mouth. And I I wanted to go up. I wanted to go up on stage and say to everyone who said I couldn't do it fuck you hey
0: <laughs> i love that man that's so funny so so uh, let me ask you a question and and we don't need to go deep but were there like you know looking back at at childhood man and and all cuz i i liked i think about this like you know the things that happened to us as kids like they impact us throughout adulthood and, and our lives, right? Like was, how was the, how were things at home? Was everything good? Did you have the, the leave it to beaver life? What was it like growing up?
1: No, I had the, I had a, it's, it's tough because I, my mom and dad both passed on years ago. I I still think of them. I love them. They were, uh, they gave a lot of love, but they were consumed with so much fear uh, and it's only mm-hmm. through understanding and delving into their past where so I realized where that fear came from. They were both abused in their own ways, yeah. and how they never abused us, four of us, because usually that's the pattern. Yep. Uh, but they did what they could. They did the best they could with the information that they had. When my guidance counselor in eighth grade told me I wasn't smart enough, most parents would have said, "Don't you ever tell my son that." But my dad yeah. was from the old school, and so was my mom. They figured this guy's got to know what he's talking about. Look at his title, guidance counselor. If he doesn't know, who does? So, because they just sat there and took it, so did I. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, you know, they did. But there was a lot of fear. There was always a fear of not having enough money, and arguments were about not having enough money, and um, yeah. just quick bursts of
0: anger. And um, but so you know what? You- Go ahead. Yeah, I, you you see, so you were brought up with all of these emotions that you were seeing, fears oh, yeah. and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. So that that I mean that, the, and for me, like, because people, I've never been a professional comedian, but I have people tell me I'm funny once in a while. Um, I, I, I you know, but I think a lot of that comes from pain. You know, I mean, it comes from our own fears and pains and all of that shit that, that, you know, makes us, uh, is it a, is it a defensive mechanism? Maybe? I don't know. Oh, oh, it
1: absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, every time I was on stage as a comedian and even as a speaker, you know, there was a point where it's weird how your brain works. Cause I know I'm live, I'm on stage, I'm doing my thing, but there's something going through me. And when I, when I started doing comedy, this is when I realized I had a healing quality about me. I'm saying I am up here and there's 600 people in this audience. They're laughing their asses off. And some of them are going through some intense stuff right now. Maybe yeah. they're going through a divorce. They're having financial difficulties. Maybe they or a loved one are inflicted with some kind of illness. But for that hour that I'm on stage, their challenges or problems, whatever they were, never owned them because they simply allowed themselves to take time out to laugh. And as I always say, Laughter is the pit stop in the rat race of life and that it gives you enough emotional fuel and repairs to get back into the race again.
0: But the Amen. initiative
1: and the proficiency uh, uh, that allows you to laugh comes from what I call your humor being. Everyone on this planet is born with a humor being within them. Your humor being is of your higher nature. It's a part of you that brings out the best in you when times get really tough.
0: So what about the people that And I know you've met them. I have. I'm like, have you you met somebody that like, no matter what you say, they won't laugh?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what's funny with a comedian? Every comedian will do this. You can have 500 people in the audience. 499 are laughing their asses off. And there's one person in the front going. (laughs) And comedians focus on that one guy. That one guy. (laughs) They're actually saying to themselves, what the fuck is wrong with this? To themselves as they're doing their act. You know, look at this guy. What the fuck? Why is he sitting up front if he doesn't like it? Why the hell did he show up in the first place? Get light? out of
0: here, right?
1: Yeah, and sometimes he'll say something, and and then the guys or the woman that's sitting there will go, "I just don't think you're funny," you know. And then wow. of course, then a the thing goes on, you know.
0: Wow, yeah. that's so funny. So, so you got into, so you you did you did comedy for twenty? How long? Twenty three years? You said it was
1: it was years, twenty two, three years. Okay. But but okay. I was. When I started the speaking thing, I was still doing comedy to make a living as I was weaning into the speaking thing. So I was doing both for about three years. Yeah. And then so many bookings started coming in from the speaking thing that I had to let it go. But I was, you know, I was still I'm still funny when I present, you know. Yeah.
0: So, so you you got in. So that was like corporate and events and and yeah, stuff a lot of Fortune like 100,
1: 500 companies, yeah. education groups. My message is conducive for every group. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what I do is I show people how to start each day with an unstoppable attitude to succeed, regardless of their circumstances, and how to enjoy themselves during the process. And that's the key phrase: regardless mm-hmm. of your circumstances. Yep. Because it's easier I, to go through life mm-hmm. and things are working great but when it's not what's your attitude like. So,
0: yeah. So, so when you, when you, it's funny, there are some parallels, man. I, I, I re, I remember 20, maybe longer, some years ago, um, reading awaken the giant within. Oh yeah. And, and I remember Tony talking about um, flying his jet helicopter over San Diego and hovering over the building and, and realizing he had he was the head janitor in that building 10 years earlier, you know. Yep. And I was like, Oh my god, I can do that! I love yep. that, like you know. And so, um, I, 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 Tony changed my life too, man. And and you know, I think he's changed a lot of people's lives, but so you, you went. Into, you made the transition from doing stand-up comedy to going into, I mean, it's still, there's still got to be comedy in your, in your speeches. Absolutely. Yeah. I still make them live.
1: You have to, the attention span of the average audience today is very minimal. And unless a yeah. speaker has some kind of entertaining value, you run the risk of losing their attention. So my right. first five, seven minutes, I'll do nothing but make them laugh. And you can actually see their shoulders relaxing. So when I hit them with this message, it's not like I'm preaching. And yeah. then they have a hard time adjusting. How can this guy, and I'm not boasting, well, maybe just a little. <laughs> how, yeah, you could got this, you. how could this guy be so damn funny and I all of a sudden come up with something so profound that he has he's bringing tears to my eyes? It's like an emotional roller coaster, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I have a blast doing that. It's, there's nothing more rewarding.
0: What are, what are some of your, um, what are some of your messages that you deliver? And I, and I want to get to the, the, the book. I want to talk about the the new book, but what are some of the messages that you're delivering as a motivational, um, speaker? There there are three things that I have at, at my disposal. Um, um,
1: my sense of humor. And um, my uh, my my ability to tell stories, I love telling stories because I acted out, and uh, I did a you know few plays off Broadway and stuff like that. So and I have a masters in theater arts. So, theater arts, so I, I I acted out. And but the 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 one thing that I I find the most empowering is um, uh, humility. i um, mm. I'm not afraid or ashamed to tell people what I've gone through and, and what I'm still going through in my life. Yeah. And I think the message is, is that, um, we all have shit to deal with. We all carry it with it at various stages in our lives, but I'm a firm believer. It is not what happens to you that determines how successful and how happy you're going to be. Ken, you've heard this before. It truly is what you do about what happened. It's the choices you make. It's the thoughts you have about any challenge that will determine the quality of success and happiness you're going to have in regards to that challenge. And, and whether I speak to groups, if they want to enhance their sales or if they're embracing change, whatever it is, if they want to kick their company up a couple of notches, yeah, uh, that's one of the messages. And, and another one is uh, make a conscious choice every day to enjoy yourself during the process. In this country, there is a mindset and it's a frightening mindset. The mindset is, and they've created this habit, I'll be happy when I achieve the goal. I'll be happy when I get to where I want to go. Not realizing that they put their happiness on hold. you got to make that choice as soon as you wake up in the morning, regardless of what's happening to you or around you, that you can enjoy the process. You do that by focusing on what's working, by blessing the things that life has given you rather than cursing what life is currently throwing at you. We all have the power to do this and for those of you who are listening right now and say well you don't know what i'm going through no i don't but i do know that you have a choice on how to respond and if you say you don't well then that's your choice and that'll be the life that you live and i'm not making light because i know a lot of people confronted with a ton of stuff
0: you know in the movie um the secret <clears throat> jack canfield talks about he's like you know i i saw my um, my father was abusive to me. My father was abuse. I saw my wa- my my mom get physically abused by you know, and 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 I could continue in that story, but it, you know, really the story is so what? He literally said, "It's, it's the story is so what? N- yep. Now what? What's next? You know." And and talking about, you just reminded me of, of an old Buddhist saying. Um that, that pain in life is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Yes. And I honestly believe what I
1: say, and I and Bob tells Bernie in my new book suffering. He says, Bernie, suffering may be unavoidable. As a matter of fact, suffering is part of the healing process. Yeah. But just but just suffering can be avoided. And in time, that's your choice. Yep. That's your responsibility. Not only just to you but to your family and the people that embrace you and that you embrace in your life, it's your choice. Yeah. You know, I I have to tell you, you know, maybe perhaps sometime we could do another show and I could just talk about him. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have gone to college without this person. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have become a, a headlining comedian and I wouldn't be a motivational speaker. And I wouldn't be, have written four books if it wasn't for my brother, Michael, biggest inspiration of my life. Uh, He's 100% disabled as a result of the Vietnam War. The only Mm. man in medical history, as far as experts know, that ever survived that kind of wound. I won't get into the ordeal, but this man took what he had and he never focused on what was missing. He always focused on what he had left and he always moved forward with that mindset. And he knew intuitively that the thoughts that he had about this challenge that life threw at him, was going to create the beliefs that he had and it was going to cause the way that he felt and those feelings were going to give him a particular attitude. And he just, he went from victim to Victor. He was in a hospital for seven months, 1969. Wow. And what he did with his life, and I'd love the opportunity sometime perhaps to be on your show again, just to talk about what he did, the steps that he took, the strategies, the shifting habits that he created to not just survive, but he thrived. And I learned from him. He's the one that took me by the hand, not suggested. He told me I was going to college and he he forced me to sit in his classrooms for two weeks just to get the experience. And then one day we're walking to the administrative offices and I said, where are you taking me? He goes, I'm signing you up for next semester. I had tears in my eyes. I said, no, I can't do this. The fear hit me like you wouldn't believe. I was so overwhelmed. I said, Mike, please don't do this to me. I'm going to fail at this. And I did it. And I told you before what I graduated with, high honors, high honors. But he did it. He did it. And I was blessed to be surrounded by people throughout my speaking career and comedy career, famous people who overcame adversity and those who destroyed their lives. And I use these stories when I speak to my audiences. I have an incredible story of Rodney Dangerfield that I knew personally. I headlined his comedy club '86 and '87 every single weekend. This is when he was at the pinnacle of his career. I have an incredible Eddie Murphy story that I knew quite well. You knew morning. Eddie Murphy very well. He lived right near me on Long Island, and and uh, I I had the pleasure of meeting Christopher Reeve and Danery five months before he passed away. A wow. story about him, which 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 exemplifies an attitude of gratitude, and I use these stories. I have programs. For each one of these individuals that I mentioned to you. Wow. And that's how people learn.
0: You learn from life stories. Yep. Wow. Uh, you you might be the most um like you know you've you've worked with and met a lot of really, really famous people. It's incredible. Yeah. Yep. It's incredible. And you keep talking about dude, listen, if you called me at at you know seven o'clock on a Tuesday and said hey I want to let's do a show like five minutes later we're live forget about it (laughs) (laughs) like I'm in like whatever (laughs) so so um and and Michelle Geske is she's a fellow New Yorker by the way I don't know uh Michelle, Michelle where do you live in Manhattan I don't know where she lives but she's she's in New York she's from New York She loves you. I can tell. Well, she called me a gorgeous soul. I love that.
1: She did. Put that on my website. Steve Rizzo, attitude adjuster, and a gorgeous soul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. I love you. That's funny. She's there's where. Oh, she doesn't tell him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk about you. um, So you did this this whole time. You're you're doing comedy and stand up and and uh, or stand up comedy rather, and then you get into the motivational speaking and you're starting to make that transition. and then I know because of conversations you and I have had that you kind of hit a wall um yeah. about seven years ago or so. yeah, um, talk a little bit about that. and I love your transparency, man. I, I, I that that's one of my favorite things about you actually is just being freaking. I, I, you know what? And and just a side note, I hate fake people. I just freaking hate them. Like, you can tell them a mile away. Oh, geez. And they're foolish. Anyway, um, talk about hitting that wall. There's Kellen Ann. Oh, my God. She's late to the party.
1: Kellen, Ann, love you. It's because of you I'm talking with Ken right now. So I love Kellen. She's amazing. Oh, she's she's one of the she's one of you talk about a special soul. She's uh, oh my, god, she's so giving. It's 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 incredible, and she's incredibly brilliant. She's
0: just she is. Yeah, yeah, talented. Yeah, artistically, yeah. unbelievable. So talk about the wall that you hit about seven years ago. Well, okay,
1: as I stated earlier, you know my negative labels came back, and well, this is a. Third time they came back with a vengeance and uh, just stuff started happening. Things weren't going the way that I thought they should. And I was in the middle of a divorce after 37 or 34 years. And it was my decision. And uh, it was the toughest decision I ever made in my entire life. And I, I I don't mind saying that it killed me because it did kill a part of me it it was devastating um because my my wife was a wonderful person in so many ways and i don't have time to tell you exactly why i left but i knew i had to i just knew it yeah yeah and um i i woke up one morning and um i was pretty emotional and i just said to her i said uh, i'm moving and she said where are you going i said i don't know yet but i'm going somewhere in california And then she goes, what is wrong with you? See someone. Let's go together. Talk for yourself. And I said, no, I I have to go. And I had friends there. And uh, I went and I rented a condo or an apartment in Marina Del Rey. And I stayed there for two years. And I knew that I went there to face my demons, whatever they were. You
0: didn't um, know what they were at the time.
1: I I had a funny feeling. I had a funny Um, feeling. I had a funny feeling what it was. Yeah. And, um. I stayed there. It wasn't easy, but yet I felt relieved that I was far away. I couldn't get any further from Long Island to California unless I went to Hawaii, and I wasn't going to go that far.
0: Yeah, right. And
1: I I, I, I exercise every day. I always did since I was 13 years old, and that always vents a lot of frustration. And after my exercise at the 24-hour gym, I'd go there at four in the morning, and I would walk around Venice Beach, which is not a safe thing to do, trust me, at that time of the morning. <laughs> You know, and one morning uh, I was walking along the beach and the sun was rising and um, I lost it. I absolutely, I mean, lost it. And I was yelling at God. Yeah. I'm screaming. Where are you? And, And then I said, what the hell is wrong with you? And what is wrong with me? And what am I doing here? And no sooner had I said that, I took another step. And I heard something from within me say, you know, what's wrong with you. And you know why you're here. You're just way too caught up in your own drama to Mm. find the answer. Wow. Right then and there, I said, what? And I got into my car, went back to my apartment, took out my laptop, a pad and a pen. And I asked another question. And then another answer came. Then another question. I was there for like four hours just answering. And I realized I was talking to God. I was talking to a higher part of myself. And I kept doing this as a ritual every day or throughout the day. And, And then from there, I said, oh, oh, God, I'm writing a book. And it took me seven years to write this book. And Ken, every time I thought I was finished, Bob said, no, you're not. No, you're not. You still have to experience more stuff. There's still some more shit you're going to have to go through. And I'm like, oh, geez, isn't this going to be fun? So <laughs> that's when I do my Archie Bunker. Oh, geez, here we go again. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> you know, I expect Edith Belly, to walk go. Belly, you can't leave now, Archie. There's more shit that's going to be thrown at you. Oh, geez, there, yeah, get back there, huh? So... <laughs> so, so Um, That was freaking awesome! Holy crap! So finally, the Uh, book (laughs) was finished. I (laughs) just—I know (laughs) I. It's hard to shift from one emotion to the
0: next, but I mean, I feel I'm like get (laughs) get me off this ride. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the book was finished,
1: (sighs) and um, I didn't. I didn't even bother to send it to a major publisher. My other books were Get Your Shift Together and the other books. I went with McGraw-Hill and a few others. I didn't even bother. I said, uh, Bob told me to self-publish it. And when the book was being created, I worked with my publisher, Mike Murray from Pearhouse Press. He's brilliant at what he does. I've known him through the years. He knew what I was going through. He made some recommendations. And we created a, can I show the people the book?
0: No, yeah, well, okay,
1: and this is it. Uh Conversations with Bob,
0: and a timeless, entertaining dialogue for living an extraordinary life. Yeah, and and this is what the book looks like after the the
1: cover after the the flap is off, and this is what I love. That's so gorgeous. Yeah, you know, it almost looks like a Bible. You know what it, I'm saying? It's, it's and, gorgeous. And Bob is the one that told me when I wrote this book to break it up into four parts and each part would have four chapters. And it was funny, it was like that because I wrote 16 chapters, so four parts, four chapters for each part. And I realized when I broke it down into that, each part had its own messages and I, it, it was broken up so easily. And each chapter looks like this. Each chapter begins with that, a title. With the, with the ocean the ocean is always the symbol because that's where I started writing the book that's why you see this someone took a photo of me here on Long Island in the Hamptons when the sun was coming up and uh wow that, yeah that's a that's a good so everything is based on that and Bob is
0: giving the forward in the book okay Bob, so, telling you why I wrote the book so so tell tell me for you know i mean you 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 just offended probably 60% of the audience i'm kidding um why bob well i mean why not I'll, god I'll,
1: I'll, i'm not going to tell you why but you'll see it's very funny bob is hysterical okay. it's about two people let me let me if you don't if can i can i give yeah. you you're Dude, two this people is, it's, it's, this whole book is, not, is it's a dialogue between two people bob okay. and bernie Everyone has an inner Bob and an inner Bernie. Yep. Bernie represents every single person, everyone that's listening. Every person on this planet has an inner Bernie. Yep. Everyone feels that somehow, some way, on some level, their life isn't working or they're going through crap over and over again. There are a lot of people just feel life is too tough even those who enjoy themselves are going to get hit hard with something somewhere along the way. Yep. So Bernie represents everybody on this planet who feels that their life isn't working on some level or another. All the answers to your challenges and problems come from your inner Bob. Doesn't matter what you call it and Bob makes this very clear to Bernie at the beginning because Bob Bernie knows he's talking to God, okay? And he he tells Bernie, he goes, "Look, Bernie, It doesn't matter. You can call me the universe. You can call me the light, the force. You can call me the source energy. You can call me the truth. You can call me your authentic self. The only thing that really matters is that everyone on this planet knows that there is a higher part of them, their higher nature that has the answers to all of their questions and solutions to all of their problems. It may not make your problems go away. The chances are it won't. But this inner Bob will help you to work your way through the problem. And by doing that in time, when you handle any challenge and accept it and embrace it, that's empowerment. And that's why we're here on this planet. We are here on this planet to experience, to learn, and to grow and to become the best person that we can be. How you experience all of the things in your life, I mean everything, the good and the bad, the fair and unfair, the right or wrong, will determine what you learn. That continued learning will lead to your growth that growth will pave the way to who and what you become our job and our responsibility yeah. is to become the best person that we can be and that's the message that bob gets to, gives to bernie bernie winds up in this place from a heart attack in a hotel because he was so negative his whole life that he gave himself a heart attack and he winds up in this place that he thinks is heaven and he says to the gatekeeper that i want to see god and he goes, Well, we call him the big kahuna here. And I'm going to tell you why he gets the name Bob. <laughs> well, if it doesn't matter what you call him, I'll just call him Bob. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, kahuna. yeah. So gatekeeper goes, Bob's a nice name. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. So, anyway, <laughs> it's funny. Bob is hysterical.
0: Oh, my God. I love
1: it. And Bernie breaks down at the beginning and says to him, Crying. There's a whole thing where he's crying. He said, You never answered my prayers. I prayed to you. I pleaded to you. Do you know how it feels to know that you deserve everything in life, to see your friends succeed, and you're getting nothing? And and mm. Bob said, "Yes, you." I did answer your prayers, but Bernie, you squashed the seed possibility for manifesting with your negative attitude. You prayed with the same attitude you have about your life. Mm. He goes, wow. "What do you expect? A miracle?" He goes. Haven't you ever heard the saying, "God helps those who help themselves"? And he goes, Bob. Bernie goes, Yeah, I've heard it my whole life. He goes, You have to meet me halfway. I could only do for you for what you're willing to do for yourself. In other words, you can't pray for peace of mind for that day and then go in traffic and start cursing at everybody in traffic. <laughs> you can't. You can't do that. Damn it! You just ruined my entire life, Steve. Thank you, Phil. Phil Santino, great friend of
0: mine. I, I love Phil. Phil is awesome so so okay like how do i tie all this together you've <laughs> we, uh, we, you know what i think we're gonna have to just start a show together so so i would love to do that i i would too man i i i, I love everything you're saying and i i subscribe to 1000 percent of it with with the i i like to look You've been on Showtime, had your own special on Showtime, you've hung out with Andrew Dice Clay and 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 ha- he opened for you and freaking uh what's his name uh we were talking about Sam Sam and like who was unbelievable. He was offensively funny though. I mean, but very I mean very offensive. Um but but he was. But I, I love that scream he did. Just that um he oh, when he, he when, when he opened up for me it, before he
1: was people didn't know who he was oh and wow we toured, we toured New York New Jersey and Connecticut for two months one summer and I I just I love the guy I fell in love with the guy I just love him he was such a sweetheart and I don't know very few people know this but he he was a Baptist minister yes I know I knew, I yeah, knew yeah. That. and yeah. and he would <laughs> open up for me And he would, and then then at the time he had a patch over his eye to make him look even uglier, you know, and he would scream at the audience. So as, and he would go into the audience and scream. And when he did, people on the other side were leaving, like, let's get the hell out of here. This guy's frightening. (laughs) And he put, he had a hard time getting booked because the club owners, (sighs) the club owners were were, were saying, Sam, I love you. I think you're funny, but I'm losing half my audience because they're afraid of you. Yeah. He was the only comedian that, when I was introduced, because I headlined, when I was introduced, I was
0: still laughing as I was on stage. <laughs> At this, so, yeah, I, I remember the thing he said. Uh, he said, "What well, have you seen this new rad, the Rockers Against Drugs?" He's like, "Are you kidding me? Like Rock Rockers Against Drugs? Rock created drugs." He's like, "That's like Christians Against Christ." <laughs> uh, 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 uh. It was so it was his ridiculous. opening line
1: when he was younger, when, oh. when we, before he was famous. He'd go out into the audience and he'd go, I'm not your everyday comic because I don't talk about you ever notice you put your socks in the dryer but only one comes out. Where did the other one go? I don't do that He because I don't do that. I talk about relationships primarily women, <laughs> guys. And there are two things you want to know about women number one. Women love to be misunderstood. And go, he goes, number two. And he goes, ah, ah. He goes, they want to be beast fucked. Ah, <laughs> oh, ah. and he starts, he starts screaming in the audience. He's actually, his face is like this. I know. Faces. Oh, and he, and he starts humping the chair. Ah. Oh, he's,
0: he was, dude, oh. he was nuts, man. I, know. I hope I, I didn't he, get too, I hope I didn't get too blue there. Uh, dude, he, it, he, he was, he, I mean, I saw, I, because he went from being a, 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 like a holy roller minister yeah. into being unbelievably offensive. And, and I, there were in the Christian community, man, there were people are like, didn't he crack? He he drove his Porsche off a cliff or something. Didn't he? Yeah. It's crazy. Man. No, no, no,
1: no, no. He, he was killed. Uh, just had just gotten married. He was in Las Vegas. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I, I, I it's a weird story because I knew his opening acts, uh, call Carla bow very well, and I knew his brother wow. uh, pretty well. And um, he just got married from Vegas wow. and he was on his way going back to uh LA and he was stopping drugs and he was because boy he partied his ass off. Oh yeah. And um I don't know if you've ever driven in the desert. When you do your your vision is it's hard to tell a, a vehicle that's coming at you. You don't know if he's in his lane or he's coming at you. So he's in his car and uh his his uh, brother in his opening at car or in the car in back of him and um there's a truck coming at Sam and they're beeping the horn saying stamp Sam pull over on the side he's coming at you and it was a head-on collision he was thrown out of the car and wow. uh you know wow. wow that was it
0: Let so. let me let me ask you a question and and uh, this this is kind of the theme of this show And I can't wait to hear your answer because this is what you do. Um, In your opinion, what holds people back in life from two, two things? And these two things, in my opinion, are related. If I'm wrong in your opinion, tell me. From real financial success and real freedom happiness in life i do listen i've been homeless and broke and i've been extremely wealthy and extremely wealthy is better at least in my life yeah what do you think stops people man what is stopping people from really having it all their beliefs about the money
1: and those beliefs are formulated over a period of time through a consistent way of thinking uh, you, people don't realize this, that you're, uh, the beliefs you have about anything in your life, the beliefs you have about wealth, the beliefs you have about the economy, the beliefs you have about politics, the beliefs you have about your neighborhood, the beliefs you have about your family, the beliefs you have about the way the economy is are formulated over a period of... Th- the beliefs you have about me th- in the short time that you've seen me are formulated over a period of time through a consistent way of thinking. And so your thoughts create your beliefs and there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. But here's the thing, your beliefs write the story of your life and those, and those thoughts and beliefs will create the way that you feel on any given day. And if you want to go through your life with an unstoppable attitude to succeed, you have to make damn sure that you are feeling good during the process. This isn't only a key to success and happiness, uh, Ken, this yeah. is at the very core of your success and happiness. Why? Because feeling good is the fuel that drives motivation and inspiration. And people, you should write that down and slap it on your refrigerator. Feeling good is the fuel that drives motivation and inspiration. That's your choice. That's your responsibility. Yeah. And you have to understand that if you're not feeling right, it's because of what you're thinking on any particular day. And, and this whole mm-hmm. process it starts as soon as you open up your eyes to greet the day. Yep. And uh, so people have created unknowingly, and that's the frightening thing, they've created unhealthy beliefs and that have been instilled in their subconscious. And your subconscious, Ken, runs 97% of your life, doesn't know the difference between right or wrong, true or false, fair or unfair. It only knows the crap that you program into it. Most people have created the belief system that success, wealth, and money are for other people. And you know
0: what? I'm not one of them so how okay we've all you and i have both met plenty of people that that fall into the the category of they're they're probably always going to suffer and never succeed financially or any other way We've met those people. Like you, just know, like that. That that you're screwed until you have some kind of a huge shift, right? Like you
1: can, yes, you can unscrew
0: yourself. You and have
1: to, I totally agree. Shift is the best word because that's what's in the book too. Conversations with Bob. He gives Bernie what he calls common sense success strategies to turn his life around and shifting habits. Yeah, now I'm going to say something to your audience and to you that I never told anyone else. It's coming out now because you brought it up, and I said being vulnerable is difficult but I've been incredibly wealthy and I've lost it and I'm right now in the process of getting it back again. Yeah. But there's something very humbling about losing it because you start seeing other aspects of your life that you took for granted that are the most important. And that's friends, that's family. And that's more than anything else is following your heart's desire in spite of what anybody else says yeah. so I'm on my process making it back now but trust me when I say I lost it yeah. and I I you know I, you're right life is easier when you have it <laughs> but it, it I'm, I've been in a humbling position and and that's another reason why this book why this book came out and there were reasons for everything folks and what I have found with all of my challenges and I told you this earlier before we even started the show, What I have found earlier, my biggest challenges, I wouldn't have been able to write this book if I didn't hit rock bottom. I wouldn't have been able to. My biggest Mm -hmm. challenges have become my greatest blessings because Mm -hmm. now I am put in a position to do Mm -hmm. what I was put on this planet to do. And that's to make a difference in people's lives, to be some kind of spark that can ignite change in people's lives. Yep. And I want to let them know that if they meet this inner Bob halfway, acknowledge this God presence that we all have within us, life becomes a lot easier. And when you do make all of that money, or if you do make that all all of that money, you have a profound appreciation for what's really important. And it's, 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 it really is what I had just suggested to you before.
0: Yeah. You know, I, um, I know that, that, Over the last couple of years, through all the insanity, um, I mean, suicide rates skyrocketed globally, not just here, but globally. And, you know, for those that that might be um, listening to this or watching the replay or uh, on here right now that maybe they feel like they and i love tony robbins talks about when people people come and say i've tried everything he's like really everything but you know think about the people who are hanging on by a string a thread right now and they don't they feel like they've tried everything they feel like they've given life everything that they have and they still can't figure it out they still aren't making it that's because they don't know how
1: the laws of the universe work and they, and they work there. The laws of the the law of attraction does not show favorites. Amen. It does not show favorites. No, it, you, you know, I can go into a room and it could be pitch black and unknowingly I could hit a mechanism that will turn the lights out. And even though I didn't know that I did that, the law of electricity will work anyway. Yep. You, is that a good analogy? I think it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you could be living a wrong life and not knowing that you're living a wrong life. And here, here, Let me put it in a nutshell. What you think is what you get. And what you say out loud is what you ask for. And if you've yeah. gone most of your life thinking that you're a loser, not good enough, not smart enough, and everybody else has what you want, you're sick and tired of going two steps up and five steps back, that's the life you're going to live. That's your inner Bernie. That's what the book is all about. That's yep. what Bob Storr... Bob saw Bernie's gift. We all have it, whatever it may be. Yep. And and he did get close, but it was his own negative inertia that put him back five steps. Bob shows Bernie in this book how, yeah, 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 I prayed. You prayed, Bernie, but you know what? And here's an example. He shows him an example of when he prayed for an opportunity so his new invention could be noticed by millions all over the world. He's sitting next to a person on a plane and because his presentation didn't go well that morning before, he was so pissed off in such a negative mood, he kept ignoring this guy's inquiring as to what he did for a living. And yeah. the guy says, I couldn't overhear your conversation on the phone before. Do you? And finally, Bernie looks at him and goes, Pal, you know, leave me alone. I need time by myself. And when Bernie realized what he did, Bob just suggests to him he very well could have been the seed possibility for the prayer that you were asking for, but you squashed the seed possibility from taking wow. root to manifest. in what it? Was it you desire?
0: Dude, that is so powerful. I talk, I talk about that quite often. Like wake up, yeah. open up your freaking eyes, become more aware of what's going on around you. Yep. God's answering your prayers all the time.
1: Yep. The book is based on three principles and this is what, this is what Bob says to Bernie at the beginning. Number one, you need to know without a doubt that you are the creator of your success and happiness. What wow. that means, as we just said, that that means what it's not what happens to you. It's what you do about what happens. Number two, you need to know that you're the only problem that you will ever have. And somewhere within you, there is always a solution waiting to be discovered. You just have to learn how to get out of your way and perhaps be still to allow the solution to reveal itself. Number three. Whenever you're confronted with a problem or a challenge of any kind, it's never a matter of managing your mind. It's always a thought. It's never a matter of managing the situation. It's always a matter of how you manage your mind. Yep. Can you manage your mind and the toxic emotions and beliefs that are keeping you from finding
0: the solution that's waiting to be discovered? I, I'm looking for, if you if I look like I'm distracted, I'm looking for the link to the book what is it um yourinnerbob.com yourinnerbob that's it okay so listen everybody watching right now um i rarely like give orders <laughs> but i'm ordering you to go to your hold on your inner inner Bob.com. Bob, Bob. Dot com. Bob is spelled B-O-B. <laughs> B-O-B. <laughs> um, here in Columbus, Ohio, there's a Bob Chevrolet and it's B-O-B-B, Bob. Okay. Um, but this one is a single B and it's yourinnerbob.com. Go get the book. I mean, go get the book. This is powerful, powerful stuff. And I know it's on Kindle, too. So they can go to Amazon, order the book on Amazon. They can order it on Kindle. I have it on Kindle. Um, I'm getting the physical copy of it. But like, dude, like this has been one of the most powerful interviews I've ever had. This is incredible. I appreciate that. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you for sharing me. your wisdom. I feel like there's so much more we haven't even uncovered. I, I just feel like there's so much more. Well, let's talk. Let's work something yeah. out. Yeah. If you'd like. Yes, absolutely. Steve Rizzo, where can everybody follow you? What's the best place on social media? Um, I would say Facebook. Facebook,
1: Facebook. is where you could. Uh, you, my, I, you could. My uh, my my video podcast with uh, Eric Bam, uh, it's uh, Hey, I'm Talking Here. It's also on on YouTube, yeah. and it's live every other Thursday. It won't be on this Thursday. It'll be next Thursday, and uh, it's really a fun show, and it's basically what, what we're talking about here. We're talking about situations, yeah. uh, adversity that people, things that people go through, and uh, I'm having a blast doing it, and it's called Hey, I'm Talking Here.
0: that's awesome listen everybody go follow steve on facebook wherever you are like my wife i think subscribed to your um your your youtube channel so um she put that in the comments earlier and she's saying what a great interview thank you so much so everybody go follow steve go to yourinnerbob.com order the book um i i i started reading the book and and i you know you know how it goes i i haven't i haven't gotten all the way into it yet so um. And, and 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 can i ask you
1: when you do read the book is just to uh my goal from the bottom of my heart is to get this message out so a review on amazon can go a long way
0: yeah it sure can so everybody go read the book, leave it a great review. If you have a bad review, keep it to yourself.
1: Yeah, really? Because <laughs> I know a guy named Pony who will knock on your door and say, listen, I think we have to have some kind of conversation. The book is Conversations with Bob. Well, you're going to have one with me. All right? <laughs> I'll hit you so hard, your family
0: will die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Hey, everybody, make sure you go follow Steve. Go buy the book. Leave a great review and have an amazing day. Steve, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have an awesome day. And again, follow Steve Rizzo. Go to yourinnerbob.com and grab a copy of the book today. Talk to you guys soon.